All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We're so glad that you are listening with us today. Uh, around the table, we have Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Day Spring Reformed Church, and then we have Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. My name is Josh Bales. I'm with the Well Church in Boise. Uh, special guest host today, Pastor Hugh Orr from Riverside Church in Emmett. So glad you're here today, bro. Good to be here with you. Now, we got to serve for a few years together. We did, from and 08 to 2013, I think. And then you went to seminary at Southern? Southeastern. Southeastern. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you went down a little bit in my book, but that's okay. <laughs> that's <not> uh, <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about your church. So uh, we planted our church in Emmett three years ago. In fact, yeah, just last month was our three-year anniversary. And uh, we started off with five families and have been slowly but steadily growing. We do not have a building of our own right now, so we meet in the Seventh-day Adventist Church there in town, and it works out really nice. It's all set up. They already have chairs. They already have everything for us there. And um, so we meet there Sunday mornings at 1030, and then we uh, also have the place Wednesday night for a Bible study and prayer meeting. But and you guys are a Reformed Baptist church. That's right. Very rare. So awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great. You're probably the only Reformed Baptist church in Emmett, I would assume. I At least that... Explicitly? It, explicitly, yeah. yeah. There may Actually, I think there is another church that's definitely uh, favorable to the Reformed view of salvation. So you're a Calvinist. Yes. <laughs> we won't tell anybody. Uh, actually, we're talking about the perseverance of the saints today, which is the P in TULIP. You went on that yesterday, Pastor Russ, so if you missed that, just go subscribe to our podcast. Um, so let, can we quickly redefine our terms? How would you define the perseverance of the saints if someone said, hey, you know, w- what is this doctrine? I would just briefly say that those that are called, those that have come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ because of, of the sovereign work of, of God um, will come to the fruition of that salvation in their final glorification in heaven, that God who began the work of salvation is going to complete that work um, Yesterday, Hugh quoted from Romans 8, uh, verses 29 and 30, which is the golden chain of of salvation, which in essence walks you through that those that are called um, will be justified, it will end up glorified, that all of the parts of salvation will occur because they began. And if they begin, they come to their end. So all doctrine is, is kind of essentially connected together either directly or indirectly, uh, just like different colored threads are connected together to make a, a beautiful tapestry. Um, so believing a, a wrong doctrine is like pulling on one of those loose threads until the tapestry comes apart. So uh, what other doctrines come apart, fall apart, uh, when the doctrine of perseverance is denied? So in other words, if you can lose your salvation, what other doctrines are lost, collateral damage? I have an interesting quote. I don't know if you guys have read the book called Mere Calvinism by James Oreck. He's talking about the perseverance of the saints, and listen to this quote from that book. The doctrine of perseverance is like a golden crown that adorns the glorious body of God's sovereign grace. They, he's talking about one-pointers that believe only in the P, because they like that one, want to hold the crown while rejecting the body of sovereign grace that supports the crown. Such a position leaves the crown mysteriously floating in midair. There is, however, a dangerous tendency that is inherent in holding to the crown of perseverance while rejecting the other four points, and that dangerous tendency is hinted at in the name that one-pointers often call this doctrine. They call it 
once saved, always saved. So I, I take from that really all five of the points, right, of TULIP tie together. You remove any one of them and it all falls apart. Yeah. They're, they're foundational for perseverance. All the other ones have to be in place. That's right. If you take away the, the P of TULIP, you have to take the U, the L, and the I. You can keep the T, but you have to give away the U, L, and I because you cannot have unconditional election because if election is because of the sovereign good pleasure of God, um, he doesn't sovereignly choose and then unchoose. Mm-hmm. You cannot have limited atonement that Jesus Christ died for the sins of his people and have them still end up in hell. Um, if Jesus Christ died for the sins of his people, then the sins of his people are completely covered forever. Mm. And you cannot have I, irresistible grace, where God initiates salvation and draws people unto himself, and because of that draw, people will come to Christ and then have them turn away from Christ. Um, it seems to defeat the, the, the term irresistible. Um, because what it means is they couldn't resist, but then later they could. Yeah, right. um, so if you if you have the P, then you have the U L I. If you don't have the P, then you also give away the U, the L, and the I. Yeah. Uh, if we, if we just consider God Himself, think about one attribute of God. I actually heard you preach this one time when I was at your church on Sunday night: the immutability of God. Uh, Malachi three six says, "I, the Lord, uh, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed." Um, if we can lose our salvation, then that means that there is change in God because he made the decision to save us and then now he's making the decision to unsave us. And if God is not immutable, the whole doctrine of God falls apart because that means he's not perfect. He's not omniscient. I mean, you actually lose the doctrine of God if we can lose our salvation. And the doctrine of Scripture. How could you count on anything in your Bible still being true today if, if God could change? That's right. And I think you, if you really truly understand the concept of union with Christ, I don't know how you can get to that you can lose your salvation. Um, if you understand the, the depth and the beauty of what it means to be in Christ and Christ in you, that everything that is true about Christ is true about you. How how can you stop being in Christ? So then his crucifixion right. that once <laughs> was applied to you isn't. His resurrection no longer is. His glorification the, the the clear teaching of Scripture is that I've been I've died with Christ, I've been raised with Christ, I've been glorified with Christ, that everything that's true of him is true of me. I don't know how you can believe in the union of Christ, which absolutely is on every page of the epistles of the New Testament, Mm -hmm. how you can believe that doctrine and then conclude, oh, and then that can stop being true. Yeah. Um, I I really find that hard to believe logically. Yeah. So maybe you're thinking, well, what about this passage? And what about this passage? Because we we admit that there are some quote unquote hard texts that that we're going to deal with. And so the teaser is just keep on listening for the next few days, and we'll get to those. But uh, I, I want to ask a question before we get there. How how is a denial of the perseverance of saints uh, actually a journey back to Roman Catholicism? Um, and, and perhaps you're you're maybe scared to answer that question, so I'll ask a different way. How is it? How is its denial at least an indirect affirmation of salvation by works and, and legalism? 
Well, because without the perseverance of the saints, my my salvation is unsecured. It's all up to me. It's all my con- contribution. Um, it forgets the uh, finished work of Christ on the cross. When he declares it's finished, he's declaring that he has actually died for the sins of his people. Mm-hmm. Um, not He didn't die to make you sa- sal- savable. He died for your sins. He came into the world. He is His name will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the once for all uh, suffering on the cross, the the penalty that was paid was for all of my sins. I can I'm 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 the future aspect of that. I can say that when he died, he died for my sins, um the sins that I I have committed, I will commit in in the future. Um and it's finished in that respect. So my trust, my confidence has to be placed in him alone, not in my ability to hang on. I'm in his grip. You know, I'm not just simply gripping him. I'm gripping him, but it's only because I'm in his grip. Mm. Salvation really boils down to merit. And so it's it's how you define by whose merit are you saved. Right. So that Roman Catholicism says that the merit is a joint effort. Christ has done some, and the person does some, that both bring merit to the table in order to secure salvation. Um, I think what the Bible teaches, um, what all of us around the table believe and teach, is that we are saved by the merit of Jesus Christ alone, that it's his perfect work on on behalf of his people that secures our salvation. If we believe in the fact that we can lose our salvation, then what in essence we're saying is, and this is the heart of your question, that we are are saying that there is merit on our own, that we bring something to the table that combines with Christ, that now instead of saying that, well, Christ does something, I do something, and then I'm saved, if you believe in that you can lose your salvation, what you're saying is, well, Christ brought me salvation, but I have to keep it. Yeah. Um, now, all of a sudden, you're really just teaching Roman Catholicism down the road. Yeah. And it seems like people um, who struggle with assurance of their own salvation, sometimes it's because they have the eye, their eye on the wrong thing. They're looking mm-hmm. in the mirror to get their assurance instead of actually looking at Christ, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is why it turns into legalism, right? Uh, because it's well, what, what, what else do I need to do to keep myself in God's hands? Oh, I, I did that wrong. Now, how can I make up for that so I can stay in Christ's hands? It's an awful, it's an awful system. How bad can I be? <laughs> Jerry Bridges would call this kind of the treadmill um, of mm-hmm. of trying to continue to earn your salvation or to keep your salvation. And this is why hopefully you're in a church that continuously preaches the gospel week after week. Because what you need to be reminded of, whether in the preached word or the visible word in in communion, is that the work of salvation is a one-sided work of Christ on behalf of his people that is secure, that that merited the the reality of our forgiveness of sins so that as a minister I can stand up during communion and say, this bread, this wine is given to you for the complete forgiveness of all of your sins. And and I don't have to wonder, well, maybe that won't be true a week from now or a month from now. Because of the surety of the death of Christ, 
your salvation is secure, and I can declare without any hesitation that his body and his blood was given for the complete forgiveness of all of your sins forever. I would just say the gospel is not the gospel if we can lose our salvation. How is it good news if one day you can be saved and in the grace of God, and then the next, because of your own actions, you are now lost? Uh, I I think it was John MacArthur who once said, uh, if if we could lose our salvation, we would. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) If if, my salvation is dependent upon me, then I know where I'm going. Yep. Right. Yep. I don't I don't doubt that um I would end up in hell. But thanks be to God, my salvation does not depend upon me. It yep. depends upon the fact that I am held eternally by the great triune God. Yep. And this is and this is why as Russ was pointing out with the, the Lord's Supper, you know, when we, we have this remembrance given to us visually, uh tangibly, that our that our sins have been forgiven. Because and it's important that we go back to that assurance because we forget about that all the time. We we naturally fall into uh, this duty frame of mind that says I have to do something in order to uh, stay in his pleasure. Yeah, And I think what Hugh said earlier is so important. I, I really think that this whole doctrine really centers on the idea of where our eyes are located. Mm-hmm. What, are we, what are we focused on? Are we focused on ourselves and our shortcomings and our own sin? Or are we f- f- um, focused on the perfection of Jesus Christ and what he has done and who he is even right now at the right hand of the Father on behalf of his people. For every look at ourselves, we need to take 10 looks at the Savior. That's Amen. right. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We're so thankful that you've tuned in. Don't forget to check out ReformationBoise.com where you can register for our upcoming conference. We'll see you next time. 